0: Welcome to the Visegrad Insight Podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. It's the 6th of March 2023. Happy to connect uh, with Miles Mapton, editorial director, back in the office uh, Visegrad Inside in Warsaw, as I am traveling to DC, uh, also for a number of uh, meetings, discussions, essentially a study tour the Visegrad Insight has um, around the future of Europe, war and the future of Europe report. My name is Wojciech Przybylski, editor-in-chief, and we are entering this week with an interesting development coming from Estonia. Elections have just been concluded
1: and there uh, there are good results. So, Miles, what do we know about them? Definitely good results. What we know for sure is is that, I mean, prior to, the experts were expecting turnout not to be so high, right? Um, They were mentioning that expatriates rarely vote, but the overall turnout actually matched 2019's like 63.7 percent. So it was kind of historic level. This is one of the highest turnouts since 1992. It's kind of the similar trend to what we saw in Czechia as well, right? Um, but yeah, last night basically proved that being pro-Ukraine, pro-NATO and pro-EU basically pays off in, in Estonia. The, the liberal platform, uh, the liberal reform party, they won 37 seats in the parliament and that was like out of 101 seats they could have won and prime minister kaya kalas made like a record close to 32,000 votes so like more than anyone has ever received in estonia and you know the the success was basically expected but the results are really a true victory for this reform party because unlike last time the sheer size makes it almost impossible to form a coalition without them so it means that reform can basically can pick one or rather more than likely two junior partners and sort of keep them playing against each other for the next four years.
0: Well, um, hooray for stability of government in Estonia, uh, a key country on the eastern flank with with a clear support for Ukraine uh, from, from day one, uh, investing heavily in arms support, basically giving all they can and all they have. Also showing that they are ready to be exposed as a country with their own defense capabilities Because they on one hand trust NATO, on the other hand, they do believe that this fight in Ukraine is all about They care in terms of um, the future of Europe and um, protecting Europe from the authoritarian influence of Russia. So I think, yeah, it's a major development.
1: It was huge. It was huge. And I think like the liberal parties, if you would think of the liberal parties just themselves, they had an overwhelming mandate of, of 60 votes. And it's interesting to see this newcomer, this SD 200, it was performing better than it was expected. And these social democrats only lost basically a seat despite this strong competition. You know, this means like the next parliament looking uh, later on, it's going to have to it will have the mandate to sort of tackle several, you know, really difficult subjects like state budget, green transition um, or perhaps even marriage equality
0: on on that note and against the back- backdrop of this victory how did uh, uh, our well nationalist parties that are also uh, present and and quite vibrant in Estonia were doing so uh, we a couple of years ago actually 2 years ago maybe we wrote a piece uh, expecting mm-hmm. their rise and their more important more influential role uh, do we do we see that uh,
1: really developing in in Estonia? That's a great question. So essentially, what uh, even Kaja basically said she told reporters this is much better than than we expected and and so forth. But it, it looks like the this Isma the Fatherland Party got eight eight point three percent, right? Um, so you can clearly see that, and even the far right this EKRE had sixteen percent. So this is this is definitely different from from what we expected them to get in the first place.
0: All right, that's that's good, that's good. Um, okay, uh, kudos to the winners of the Estonian elections and the Estonian democracy that holds strong uh, on the map of Central Eastern Europe. In our previous reporting, we have usually been. Underlying um, how Estonia is an outlier against democratic backsliding in many other countries, so that's uh, that's all good to see and to get inspired by.
1: Yeah, and the, the interesting part here is is like what will actually follow suit in in Poland itself, right? Um, we know and we've heard a little bit of news that basically came out that the opposition uh, is shuffling the electoralists and who the main opposition parties essentially are right now. And I think from my standpoint, um, I'm curious to see if some of these trends like high voter turnout, and a a sort of, if a higher voter turnout, that's one aspect. But then the other aspect is, will they continue? Will we continue to see in CEE this actual mandate for a, a more liberal democratic outreach there? What do you think? all good questions. Uh,
0: i I can only hint to several uh, of the developments from the past week that will bear fruit also in the in the coming weeks and months uh, regarding the election. And the election is still we are still ahead of the real electoral campaign, but uh, the parties are are already very uh, close to deciding how their strategies would look like. they're they're looking at and they're polling a lot of, potential scenarios uh, there is a there is a talk of this one unified electoral list that seems to be the least likely of the possibilities not only because the junior parties would not like to be on board with the big one that would essentially consume uh, their potential and uh, their influence on the on the future politics but also because the electoral result in a game theory uh through the, through what the studies apparently show in the opinion polling, uh, demonstrate that to maximize the results, there would need to be probably two-block uh, opposition, um, more or less left-liberal and uh, center-right. Uh, and uh, within these two blocks, there is a potential to, to get most of the votes and take, uh, take uh, the space that otherwise might be used by uh, the parties of discontent or also by the space left by demobilized voters. Um, there is an interesting development in, in that regard. There is kind of a, a, a tangle as a dance between uh, the, the main parties and the protagonists of the Polish political scene. Donald Tusk um, is clearly showing ambition to take some of the agenda of uh, the, uh, the left he has been addressing and putting the party of the left on edge when he announced uh, zero interest rates for for the uh, for the loans for the for new apartments for first time owners essentially young couples young couples or non couples individuals who would who would uh, be buying apartments or re- even renting apartments and that sucks uh, air out of what the left has been proposing Uh, um, over the past months and years probably that the the state as a government should be the one that delivers on on the social housing. But then the PIS government that has exactly the same agenda has been so much underperforming, the very idea doesn't fly. And it is likely that Donald Tusk will address some of those voters. At, At the same time, while he does so, he's clearly moving more and more away from uh, not just the old himself or his young uh, version, younger version of himself from the past um, years and decades of, of his uh, uh, political pitches. So instead of being a liberal libertarian, he's now turning to be truly social market economy, ideas driven, which of course comes with an experience uh, within the EPP, uh, European People's Party in the European Parliament, and the whole group, but also the experiences on, on how the, the uh, demographics of his um, electorate may look like. So he's fighting for those who are 40 years uh, and over predominantly, probably uh, for some of the younger cohorts, uh, but he's going to have trouble winning majority of these younger uh, cohorts uh, where it turns out that there is a growing libertarian strand that is likely to be the coalition partner late, later on of of PIS or the right wing government. So it's an interesting development on the on on this uh, dance for ideas uh, that will drive this this elections. It, they're not complete, but I think even more interesting and important topics are are coming up with scandals and um, with the news uh, breaking news of the of the last week. So we may list them. Uh, we were discussing and highlighting them in the outlook. So he- help me out, Miles, if I'm not forgetting any particular one. But there is a, there is Pegasus case again. There is a Supreme Court reopening the case on the, the Minister uh, for uh, Security, uh, Mr. Kaminski and Mr. Vonshik, who is the, used to be also involved in the um, in the in the government. And he's still there. Um, so constitutional minister uh, is now under threat of being put back in jail, back, uh, put in jail uh, when uh, when the Supreme Court decides uh, eventually that probably he, he was he was lawfully convicted or he should have been lawfully convicted before the president intervened and pardoned uh, Mr. Kaminsky and Mr. Wanszyk ahead of the court case completion. And there is the whole affair with the Constitutional Tribunal, veto of president over the constitutional uh, reform, the, sorry, the, the judicial reform, and the Constitutional Court developments are also noteworthy as they explain a lot of internal dynamics within the PIS party itself. So I I think that's that's it, what, what I have in, in my notes, But and I'm happy to discuss these uh, in, in points by point, but let me know if I'm missing anything.
1: What do you think? I don't think you're missing much from from Poland in this sense. Uh, there there were other, there was other news that was essentially more about Pekka uh, Orlin sort of announcing new investments and uh, the Polish gas pipeline operator gas system reducing the multi-annual natural gas use forecast by 33%. Um, and then, of course, like this illegal logging, right, about forest management practices, um, and And once again it's it's this it's the EU's Court of Justice essentially going against um, or showing the differences in the benchmarks that that Poland has, right? So it's all kind of similar in that sense. Yeah, indeed. so so there is a, a lot in the news as I
0: am uh, also reading um, that where, where Poland is is coming up every from from every corner nearly. but focusing on the domestic and electoral game, Uh, I think uh, there there are several. On one side, there is a clear, and and thanks for highlighting, the the clear attempt of the government to win elections by manipulating gas and oil prices. And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, and they're equipped with the monopoly uh, of the the biggest oil company, Pekka and Orlando market. They're also being discovered as we speak on, on, on doing some dirty tricks with the prices undermining the efforts on inflation and probably undermining the, the, the free market overall. We'll see where it goes, but it's it's a very clear template from Viktor Orban's uh, uh, strategy of, of how to win elections, basically by offering cheap gas to the uh, lower middle class. And then the other cases, they're getting a bit more complicated and technical. So I'll try to simplify them and forgive me for doing that. But on, on one case we have ongoing Pegasus investigation, and there is a new um, revelation that the former uh, lead of the of the uh, electoral campaign in the Senate, Mister uh, Kamnuski from Sopot, has been also under Pegasus surveillance, uh, according to uh, forensic analysis. And uh, announcing by announcing this, they the opposition also gains cards, pressure points, uh, probably more international than just domestic on on the government uh, being accused of malpractice in in electoral uh, game i mean it's but I, I think by now Nixon and watergate uh, are are just can you know they they can be just uh, a nuance uh, in in comparison to the scale of of different uh, illegal surveillance of of the political competition. Um, in Poland, not only, it, it's a bigger issue across Central Europe with the modern technology and also a lot of Chinese spy uh, software, uh, Israeli spy software. I mean, Chinese are mostly on the hardware here. But um, that's that's really something to, to look at. Now, the really interesting but complicated stuff comes with the uh, Supreme Court decision where uh, exactly the people that... Uh, were nominated uh, by President Duda to lead uh, the uh, criminal cases uh, in Supreme Court. Um, They were formally opposing uh, the reforms of PIS, are now in charge of uh, reopening the case that has been unnecessarily frozen in the Constitutional Court for six years. And that gave a bit of peace for uh, and a way to operate for the Mr. Kaminski, who is in charge of all the special operations, including Pegasus, including you know all the surveillance and security of the state. And it is likely that the Supreme Court will simply decide that him and the other uh, person we man- mentioned, Mr. Washiik, were lawfully convicted and they should go to jail, uh, at which point, there will be another case where a president uh, is likely again to intervene, but now with a very problematic position for himself also and for his options uh, for his future career in after his presidency ends in 2025. Obviously, he's been playing the good cup uh, in, in the tandem with the bad cup of the, of the national government in Poland and hoping that it will win him many friends uh, for his further career as, a, as still a young politician. On the other hand, uh, or, or the on the last account that I wanted to mention, uh, there is the constitutional court, which had um, a case submitted by the president when he vetoed the constitutional reform, one of the milestones uh, that is required for receiving the recovery resilience funds and generally all the funds from eu uh, he submitted this uh, instead he vetoed uh, the bill and submitted it to the to the constitutional court in poland also knowing that at the time when he submitted it the constitutional court has been immobilized by internal conflict now the development of the last week is that mrs Przyłemska, who is a close ally of mr kaczynski has managed to overcome it by having not perfectly procedural uh, vote but confirmation nonetheless of her rule of, and uh, and her uh, single-handed um, leadership in, in the Constitutional Court which gives now Mr. Kaczynski an upper hand in sorting out the case for the rule of law reform in Poland. Imperfect and probably not fully uh, meeting any of the criteria that were set in the milestone but will definitely um, push the ball further. So we we're gonna we're gonna observe the dynamics, and everybody is going to look for the developments coming from the uh, from this uh, constitutional court. And um, the the whole affair is all all in all on one side a pressure point for the European Commission: what to do about this case and many other violations where Poland has stepped uh, outside of the parameters of. of, of of considering, you know, U- European Court of Justice an objective, uh, or at least impartial body to decide about the different conflicts, and it's it it has been uh, putting everybody on the edge with with uh, with this strategy, and uh, and at the same time it will put a lot of pressure on uh, on the internal dynamics where Mister Jobro, Minister of Justice, a proponent of the Mm, uh, of uh, fighting with the EU at all costs, um, at least until elections when he can put his people on the electoral list as he likes, um, is now cornered again by Mr. Kaczynski, who is um, who is not uh, very eager and quick about deciding whether Mr. Jobros' uh, followers, I mean, party members, will uh, will actually get good places that will win them enough votes to be uh, MPs and then EU uh, MPs um, in the coming elections. So that's the electoral dynamics that is unfolding without a clear cut development coming up this week. But I think all of that shows how interesting and complex the the dynamics will be in the coming months in Poland, and not to mention also after the elections that eventually take place uh,
1: this this autumn. Yeah, I mean, from my standpoint, I didn't want to necessarily get so far ahead in terms of the elections, because we're still some months away. But some sort of triggers to kind of look for in this in this campaign is just the mobilization aspect. So is peace essentially doing enough to to garner more votes? and have they actually found their, their latest boogeyman? <laughs> um, of course, the, the macro dimensions of things, so the war in Ukraine, inflation, and so forth. And an ongoing story is the rivalry between Tusk and Tchaikovsky, right? So if it's harmonious, then Peto still has this chance. If they break it up, then, then peace uh, will essentially profit. But um, w- one thing that we certainly want to keep on the and the outlook for for democratic security is this ongoing battle with the eu in terms of recovering funds so the rule of law there and and what essentially is is going to happen all of those and more we will continue to analyze and bring to our listeners